Welcome to She's a DPM, a platform for women to share their experiences, knowledge, and insights on cultivating a life in and outside the field of podiatric medicine and surgery. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to She's a DPM. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. And if you're listening to this on the way to work or on the way back home or maybe in between cases, I'm really excited because we have a special guest for today's episode. Her name is Dr. Kelsey Milanic, and she is potentially one of the most active people I personally know has a significant experience and leadership roles in the podiatric medicine and surgery community. Just a little background on Dr. Milanic. She is a fellowship trained foot and ankle surgeon, and she has recently returned back to her home state to help serve the people of Iowa at the East Village Foot and Ankle Surgeons team. She is passionate about improving her patients' outcomes in foot and ankle surgery with innovative techniques, research, and leadership. Some background information, she did attend the Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, where she earned honors as an All-American softball player, NCAA Woman of the Year. She completed her medical education at Des Moines University while also um, receiving her doctor of podiatric medicine and master's in public health. A very special um, opportunity that she worked hard to get was that she was selected as the first ever podiatric medical student to intern at the World Health Organization headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. And we do talk about that today on our podcast. She completed her surgical residency at Franciscan Foot and Ankle Institute in Federal Federal Way, Washington, where she served as chief resident in her final year. And then she went on to complete her reconstructive fellowship specializing in complex limb deformity correction, lower extremity orthoplastics, and minimally invasive surgery at the Rubin Institute for Advanced Orthopedics International Center for Limb Lengthening in Baltimore. Along with all her significant training, she's also had the opportunity to serve in medical service trips, um, whether that was at the Uganda Club Foot Care Project or the Yucatan Children's Project. She has authored multiple articles in several medical journals and textbooks, and has served as a speaker and faculty for numerous international symposiums. But really, today we're really focusing on her role in leadership positions in the numerous national podiatric and public health committees, whether that was with American College Foot and Ankle Surgeons, American Public Health Association, or the American Podiatric Medical Association. I had a really great time interviewing Dr. Milanig, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get started. Dr. Kelsey Milanig. Um, I know we just went through her introduction, but honestly, she's an individual that is extremely involved in our profession. Um, she's going to change this field, and I'm excited to talk to her today. Welcome, Kelsey. Thanks for having me today, Steph. So I know that you also during school getting your doctorate of podiatric medicine, also pursued getting your master's of public health. Can you tell me like why you decided to pursue getting your MPH and your DPM at the same time? Yeah, actually that kind of stemmed from when I was an undergrad, I did 
a medical service trip to Nicaragua and I was an EMT at the time. So I kind of served in a ancillary role on this medical service trip. But when I was in Nicaragua, it's my first time out of the country. And I was part of the outreach clinic where we went to all of these small villages to take care of people that couldn't make their way to a clinic. And I just felt really impacted by global health. Like I just totally fell in love with the idea of being able to take care of people like that, which I knew I could do with my doctorate. But then I also wanted to have a bigger impact and be able to take care of people with a um, overarching view of like what their life actually looks like, how the health system impacts it. And I thought that if I got my master's in public health, I would be able to make a larger impact with global health if I decided to get into that in medicine. Yeah, you're right. Like I know just with my DPM, like the underlying factors that go into the healthcare system, especially public health, especially internationally, that would be a very valuable thing to know more about. Um, you did both those during your schooling, but how did you, or have you been able to use your master's during your surgical training and now out in practice? Yeah, I, I think that my master's in public health has definitely um, been viable because I've done several other international trips thus far and being able to evaluate the global organizations that I've went with or partnered with in those to see what can be improved upon, who we can partner with locally, where there might be gaps and health disparities um, in trying to also treat these patients medically or with our podiatric degrees. Um, so I've, I've utilized it in that capacity. And then also something that I don't know that I even realized when I started would happen, but definitely on the research side. Yeah. Um, I've had the unique opportunity to be able to do a lot of research with my public health degree and I mean, even at an international level, which I just, I, I don't think I could have fathomed when I started, but that's something that's definitely been a part of that as well. And you recently won an award for public health, correct? Yes. So, <laughs> congratulations. I know, I think that was a, about a year yeah. or so ago, but yeah. it just shows that you're using your master's and trying to make those changes in public health. Yeah. Um, for people that are listening that maybe are thinking about getting a master's, uh, what, I know you've already discussed some of those benefits, but would you recommend it? Are there pros? Are there not cons? There's never really cons to additional education, but anything that you would suggest to people looking to get their master's in public health? Yeah, I, I get asked that question a lot. And I think that my answer to that is always like, if you're passionate about it, then you pursue it. Yeah. And, and if you're not, then you don't. Yeah, because it, it is, it's extra work. It's extra cost. It, there's a lot of extra pieces to that. And I think that it'd be easy to not utilize it if I didn't really want to. So I feel great that I have that education because I think it makes me a better doctor mm -hmm. um, and gives me the opportunity to really expand into the global health field like I would like to, but definitely something that I think you need to be passionate about if you're going to pursue it. Yes. And that kind of leads me into my Next question, because I know you were the first podiatric surgeon to be accepted at the World Health Organization in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, can you discuss your involvement there? Like, what did your internship, <laughs> that's, that's the word I'm looking for, <laughs> internship, uh, like, 
entail? So like, what would your day-to-day there look like? Yeah, that was, again, one of those things that you couldn't have dreamed up that it was going to happen until it was happening. Um, I felt really fortunate that that was something that I got to go do and that I got to be the first podiatric medical student to do that, to be able to show people like what podiatric medicine is, what we, what we are learning and also how big of a overarching theme, I guess we might be able to reach out to people. So that was, it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. I interned with the aging department at the world health organization. So I worked directly with teams on how to make cities and countries more age friendly and develop policy on that. So it was very research driven and it was also very niche driven, I guess, in that like I wrote specific policies for very specific countries and cities based on their health disparities, their governmental policies, any other like infrastructure and their infrastructures. Exactly. Like down to the, how long it takes you to walk across a crosswalk. That's great. So it was, I know as a podiatrist, but then there were other like multidisciplinary specialties there as well. Yes. I know like, um, I have a friend that's like an occupational therapy and like, she also is starting to get more involved with like real estate infrastructures of cities and also trying to achieve that. That's really interesting. Uh, what, what countries did you? Yeah. So my main project when I was there was actually on, um, hearing loss. And so I helped create one of the first WHO um, articles ever released on hearing loss for age, age-related concerns. And then also specifically, I created policy for tomorrow, let's say that was one of the countries that I worked on while I was there. It was just a really incredible experience to meet interns and people from all over the world. Yeah. I mean, literally the, like the number of languages spoke on a daily basis when you walk in the door at the WHO was incredible. And to see like the policy that gets created and how things work at an organization of that magnitude and the small things you have to consider, but then how to build those up to a level of like policy impact to actually have a a difference for people. And um, yeah, getting to sit in, sit in meetings with just incredible people from all people that you're like, I can't believe I'm in the same. Yes. But I mean, I think that just shows like, if you are passionate about something and wanting to help, it doesn't matter who you are. You you can find those steps to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you would have asked me if I would ever have had the opportunity to like stand at the podium at at a UN meeting room, (laughs) Like I'm at the United Nations right now speaking. This is insane. Yeah, that's, a, that's great. That's great. Like, um, so as like, I know you did this while you were in um, medical school, but what did that process like look like maybe for others that are also interested in trying to take that path as well? Like what did your interview process look like? Like, was it uh, a lot of like interviews or just you had people um, give you like a recommendation. Tell us a little more on that for anybody else that's like looking to get involved in the WHO. Yeah, we had a really unique opportunity at Des Moines University with our global health department because they had created relationships with people at the World Health Organization as well as the CDC and PAHO. Um, So they had created these relationships where 
they said, if we have students that we think are of value, could we have the opportunity to have them apply for these intern positions? So my application process actually went through my global health department at Des Moines University nice. and then kind of worked its way up through there. Of course, it starts with, you know, your generic CV, essays, yeah. letters of recommendation. And then there was an interview process as well. Um, the, the more difficult component for me was that because I was the first podiatric student that had ever done that, figuring out the medical school part of it with the classes was challenging because like I was originally told like you shouldn't even apply because you can't, because there, this may not be plausible and, um, that you wouldn't be able to take off the classwork at med school to be able to go do this once in a lifetime opportunity. Right. Interesting. And so we, we found a way we worked around it and found a way. And so I, I did have to take classwork while I was there and I took tests online and this was pre COVID. So that was a really scary thing Yeah, for people yeah. at that time. It wasn't the norm. <laughs> now people probably don't, won't, won't, won't understand that, but now everything, yeah. but that's great. And I think that shows also if there's a will and you're really passionate, you can find a way and people will as long as you are advocating for yourself, you're going to find that way to do that. Um, I also know that you hold other, like several other national podiatric and public health um, are part of different committees. What active leadership roles are you currently holding? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I asked them out. <laughs> um, I, I do kind of hold a couple different hats. I, because of my public health degree, I've been a committee member and section counselor for the APMA's um, Public Health and Preventive Medicine Committee for a long time, which is a committee specifically that looks at initiatives on integrating podiatric and public health, which is really something that I'm passionate about, of course. So that's something that I'm involved in. I'm also the current student chapter coordinator for the um, AAWP, which is of course our women's podiatric organization nationally. And so I coordinate all of the student chapters in that regard on bridging the gap between students and our national membership, which is also something I'm very passionate about in mentoring young women. So that's, again, something that I love, love to do on a daily basis. I also serve on a, as a panelist for ACFAS. Um, we just did a panelist on fellowships. And so there's a lot of hats that come up um, along the way. Those are a couple of them that I, that I hold right now. And I've served in different capacities and many organizations in the past, and also with the APHA, which is the American Public Health Association. I'm part of the podiatric section on that. Yeah. And like now you're, you know, the ranks that you hold at these committees, like, yeah, you're doing a lot, but like, how did you eventually, like, how did, what got your foot in the door? Mm -hmm. So like what steps even now it's going to be like seven, eight years ago that you started to be able to advance like and start making more and more of a difference on a national level no I think that that's really important because a lot of these uh positions that I now hold were developed out of my involvement as a student like I I was I was a student chapter president for ACFAS and I did a number of other things as a student that got me involved in some capacity and um all of those things then led to relationships with other people, you know, introducing myself at another meeting. Hey, I'm the student chapter. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And something else that I think is really important with these memberships is like, 
you just got to put yourself out there. You got to go up after a meeting and shake people's hands and tell them that you're interested. Email the people when they're like, if you have an interest, even if they don't say that, even if they just say, hey, we have this project coming up, we wanted to let you know about on a national level, email them and say, I actually am really passionate about that. And I'd like to get yeah. involved. Is there anything that I could do? Um, and then it, it, it snowballs from there. I, I've go ahead. No, sorry to cut. I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, and one of the things that I like to say on here is like, let's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's so true. Like, no, please, everyone listen. No one's comfortable going up to somebody else. No, (laughs) no, it's uncomfortable for everyone. But when you like it, when I've been approached, I'm sure same with you. Like, if it is nice, like we we're welcoming and opening to that. And if someone's not, well, then I'm sorry that you had that bad experience. But keep keep putting yourself out there um, and taking on these roles if you're interested and I know finding that balance and I know balance is maybe not the right word because life is never fully balanced but taking the opportunities where you see them and like growing them um but yes anybody listening out there keep going up to people even if it's uncomfortable everyone was uncomfortable doing it but you got to do it you got to do it and and just just send the email you know shake the hand build the relationships that's how all this happens I remember a student sometimes people would be like email me I'm like oh they they really don't mean that no if they say that they mean it so follow up (laughs) and I got it I needed to do better at that too so I'm telling now that's my advice to yeah. incoming students. Um, so I know we talked about, yeah, just taking those like opportunities, getting involved. But I know sometimes in, when you're a student, like the classwork, you're just trying to, you know, you're doing everything to get by. There's still opportunities available during residency. And if even if you're out in practice already, there's groups I that are looking for mentorship and involvement. Um, you say you that you're involved in the AAWP. I know the with the student chapters, but I also believe they have a mentorship group for anybody looking to be involved, um, actively looking for me- for mentors. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, any resources available or that you know about that our listeners could uh, use or be able to research on their own to start getting involved in whatever they're interested in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, this is going to be kind of broad and work our way down, but I know that the APMA and ACFAS both every year have a call for committees. So if you read all the emails that you get, there will be a call for committees at a certain time of year that looks for people who would like to be involved. You put your name in your CV, why you're interested. And then, um, based on your interest, because there are several committees within both of those organizations that you could be involved in if you would like to. And that's like step one, you just throw your hat in the ring. Um, And most of the time you're going to have a opportunity to be involved. And then if you have an interest in other specific organizations, such as AAWP or the APHA or whatever it may be, just reach out to those people and say, I'd like to get involved. What opportunities are available? That happened for me. And then because that happened for me, I'm now in this position with AAWP. And then because I'm in this position with AAWP, I met somebody who now runs the Podiatry Today blog, who asked me to be a blogger for them. And like, that's the snowball effect. Yeah. 
And as a resident, um, especially as a first year resident, if you're unaware, ACFAS specifically has positions on their committees for first year residents. That's great. As well, so that you just know that look out for that call for committees, which is usually in the fall of your first year of residency. And that's something that I did as well that has also snowballed. So, yeah, I, I think the takeaway is take that first step mm-hmm. and then the opportunities that present itself within that. Don't be afraid to take them. And Absolutely. that's how we how you grew and you're getting more involved in um, our profession. Right. So now some final thoughts and questions that I like to ask our guest is what is something outside of podiatric medicine and surgery that you are currently learning or interested in? So I've recently took like a really deep dive into learning about nutrition. Excellent. Wow. <laughs> tell, tell, educate me. Um, I, I kind of took a, uh, a really big look into fitness and health recently. I mean, it's always been a part of my life, but something that I don't feel like I knew a lot about was nutrition. And so I've gotten really involved into macronutrients and trying to educate myself because it's something that like, we really get glazed over our nutrition, (laughs) how, sorry, but like, yes, like how little nutritious, like education that we have also like how much that plays a role in helping our patient. That would have been nice to, so this is probably a great personally and I I just think it has such a great impact on our day-to-day life. And I don't think that I even truly appreciated that until I've started to really dive in and try and educate myself on it. So I spend a lot of time listening to nutritional podcasts. (laughs) What's your favorite podcast Um, for nutrition? I really like his name's well it's carnivore md but that's um just just one because i am definitely a high protein like believer yeah and that's something that nutrition is a hot topic for a lot of people and there's a lot of literature that you can kind of find a sway either way i would i would say arguably but i think ultimately what you need to do is find what your body feels best doing Mm -hmm. and um i'm definitely of like the muscle mass is wealth, you know, health is wealth and muscle mass is longevity. And, um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is also another one of my favorites. She's fantastic. She's so well-educated. So those are people that I have utilized as resources to learn more from Yeah, and something that I'm like, I, I, I love learning about it. I really do. And I, so you're doing that in a personal, but like, have you found that like making these changes or a high protein diet, like you're feeling better you're more energized to, and then that spreads into your practice, like that you're more capable or not capable, but apt to, but capable, capable to like help your patients. And absolutely. I mean, mental clarity is important. Like sugar crashes are real. <laughs> I just want to say I'm drinking coffee right now with caffeine and she's drinking a non-caffeinated tea and she seems like she has more energy than me right now. So something's going on correctly for her. So- so, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so like you do notice that there is a change, like even during surgery, like long, you, you started adapting this also in your fellowship and your fellowship was heavily surgically and based so with long cases, hours training. Um, and you notice that there was like a little less like in day burnout, like that two o'clock feeling. Yeah. It's crazy because of my fellowship 
I mean, literally mid fellowship is when I dove into this and I didn't have the time for it at all. That's a great thing to say. Like didn't have the time, but you made time. Yeah. Can you like expand on that? Absolutely. It became a priority for me because I just didn't feel well. Yeah. And I, I mean, almost two years ago now I started exercising for 30 minutes every day and the exercise I mean, that became a habit after, you know, doing it for a month. Right. And now it's just part of my life. Like I have to do 30 minutes every day. It doesn't matter if I've been in the OR for 16 hours or not. Like it, it, whatever. Does that 30 minutes look different every day? I think looks different every day. Yeah. If whether that's like a walk or like weight training, just get motion 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes, take 30 minutes for your mental and physical health by doing something active. Yeah. And then the nutrition piece I've recently dove into during fellowship. And like Steph said, I did not have the time for it. And for all intensive purposes, I should have fallen flat on my face with that but I just jumped in and I did it. And the other thing that I learned in doing this nutrition journey is I am definitely someone who wants to know everything before I dive in to do it. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I couldn't do that. I which just had to ch- jump in. Which is a challenging thing to do for some, like with a per- personality type that does want to, that I, you want to know yes. before you get involved. But that's another thing. You Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta do it. And then you gotta learn while you do it. Yeah. And, and that's been such a huge take home for me and other parts of my life too, from this nutrition journey It's like, I'm going to learn by doing, and that's okay. (laughs) And that's, and make those changes while you're doing it, but you're doing it. Yeah. Learning from maybe mistakes or things that didn't work well. Exactly. You can modify and change. And it's really been a, um, and, and on a personal level, of course, but this is, you know, reflected in my relationships with my family and my friends and my patients. I mean, I'm educating my patients now before surgery on what they should be eating in their diets to optimize their surgical healing. I would love to have you back just to talk about even that. Cause I think that's something that is lost on a lot of us and a lot of, as a physician that we're, what steps can we help and the patient can do as well to optimize themselves for a better outcome in surgery. Because I think we're just scratching the surface on the nutrition aspect and how big of a role those building blocks play into healing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love to have you back to talk about that. (laughs) Otherwise we're going to be here all day. (laughs) But um, another question, what is a tip or pearl that you wish you could tell your younger self about pursuing a career in podiatric medicine and surgery? Yeah, that's a, there are so many things that could be, could be said as advice, I guess, for first, for myself in the past, or for those listening to this, my, um, I I guess I think my take home would be after all these years and the experiences would be just be unapologetically yourself. And what I mean by that is if you are passionate about something, pursue it. Don't let someone like deter you from that. Don't let someone's advice say, I think that's highly unlikely that you will be successful doing this. Or I don't think that one person can truly make a difference in doing that. Or, you know, you're a woman, so you probably are not going to have that high of a surgical volume for your practice. Um, Or you may not want to take on these large cases. These are all things that I've heard. That's why I'm saying that. People project their own fears onto other people. Right. And so 
my point is just, just pursue things that you want to pursue. If someone tells you no, let them tell you no and move on. Find someone new because no one, if, if they do not value you, then they are not worth your time. Your time is so valuable and you want to pursue opportunities and people that are going to recognize what you bring to the table. So just go out and do it. Absolutely. Wow. That is such a great piece of advice. And yes, something I wish I knew as a younger, younger self, because you are going to find those people that want to deter you from your goals and your ambitions. Um, but you can't let that stop you. Right. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm, um, excited to have you back to talk about nutrition. (laughs) Uh, if anybody has any questions, comments, make sure to leave them or send me an email at droxman at gmail.com and Dr. Milanic, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or if they have any questions? Yeah, you can always find me. I'm on Instagram on and Facebook at Iowa foot doc. Um, and I practice in Des Moines, Iowa at the East Village Fun Ankle Surgeons, as Steph mentioned at the beginning. And so you can also um, find me on our website there and can always reach out via that. Okay, great. Email me at droxman at gmail.com. The address is in the show notes below. And let me know if there's a topic or if you know a kick-ass lady who should be interviewed. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to hearing your comments and suggestions on the podcast. And remember, stay uncomfortable. That's where we grow.